Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One dog. And one man. One fortnightly discussion of comics and new culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Hands of Boys Comics Hour, home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. It's episode 273. Word. Word, dog. Man? Mm-hmm. Word, dog, man? We will be discussing. Sure. We will be discussing dog man later on in Herbo Book Club by Dave Bilkey. Talking about how this children's book is copaganda. <laughs> copaganda. Paw Patrol is very patriarchal. Very important stuff. Pot patriarchal? I probably tried to make the same joke when someone told me that Paw Patrol was pa- was too patriarchal. It was my ex girlfriend who argued she wouldn't let her daughter watch it because it was too patriarchal. Mm. I thought that was funny enough to remember it for the, my whole life. So. <laughs> I mean that made me laugh. So it is. It is. It is indeed hilarious. Um, uh, we that's Dogman. That's later on. Before that, oh, we got our first segment. It's time for Floppy's Fortnightly. Floppy's Fortnightly is the part show where Eric and I review a section of past weeks, couple past couple weeks books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. Our first book of the week is Action Comics number ten thousand. What's one thousand and twenty-five? I wanted to say ten thousand. Yeah, ten thousand twenty-five. One thousand and twenty-five. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils John Romita Jr., inks Klaus Jansen, colors Brad Anderson, letters Dave Sharp. Our boy likes words. He does. Uh, it's yeah. I don't. I like. We're in the middle of the storyline, but we haven't read any Bendis Superman in a while. Mm-hmm. And um, there's. I knew. I saw you, because you love Bendis so much. Yeah. We have to. We have to. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, here, I'm going to give you a warning, Eric. Not just about this book, but all of the books we read this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it. Maybe it's because I'm I am currently working on my revi- on revisions for my <laughs> novel. I I don't know if I saw all I see is like structure mm. and mechanics. Like I don't necessarily like I like it's very hard for me to remain to not just remain abstract. To in, to enjoy a thing, you mean? Kinda, a little bit. It's just I've like I just see, oh, this is protagonist. Oh, here's supporting dialogue. Here's setup for this thing. Here, this is meander filler. This is you know, I just I'm mm-hmm. I, I notice myself doing it even. Um, I think you'll you'll get back to where it isn't like. I mean, it it kind of. I think whenever you start writing anything that kind of becomes the background noise of enjoying any media you know um but i think i don't think you'll ever be able to turn it off it just won't bother you as much you just have to i don't know it's like being a musician and watching live music you know you kind of are looking at their art and craft you you can appreciate things on a deeper level but stuff also feels like whatever i I don't know you'll You'll make peace with it, I think, a little bit more. You're just like in a weird mindset right now, maybe. I always do it. It's not. It, it never goes away. But it just felt very. Maybe it's just these books are just. I don't like them, so it it stands I, out I, more. I. This is going to be interesting. 
because I'm going to say I was more positive than negative on all these books this week. Okay. How do you feel about this book in particular? I, I'm not wild about it. Um, this is this is the the big splash page with all the superheroes, and it says now, and I'm reading all this exposition, you know, catching us up on all the that we missed, and I'm I'm reading it, and I'm just like, comic books are really dumb. You know, you like how I stop myself from swearing? Mm-hmm. I can tell. You know, on this episode, where we review a children's book. Um, yes, this this book is stupid. Um, comic <laughs> books are stupid. They're talking about Leviathan and this like overly complicated like web of nonsense, and like I, it doesn't, it does not really enhance my enjoyment of things anymore. Um, it's okay. I I I don't hate this book, but I am not taking a lot of joy from it either. Um, yeah, it's it's we are jumping right in the middle of a arc. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to because a lot of these books, it's very difficult to, unless you read the entire thing, it's difficult not to just pick and choose your spots and kind of get a, a taste, so to speak. Um, I still think, yeah, I think this is clumsy. I think there is way too much dialogue. It, the the when there's all the supermen, all the super, the super team of them, they're bouncing the. It's on page eight where it you know going left to right every single team member is like say is like saying something you know mm-hmm. i'm like how what, what is it? like i it just feels completely unnatural to me i don't it's corny yeah the when it's just one or two people on the page at a time i don't it's less noticeable but it's clearly there's a lot of just Mm-hmm. the the pages with the fbi and all those and the people in the news office i was just i i wanted to throw this book into the sun this this page is like 60 percent word bubbles word salad it's just yeah it's it's crazy and it's not like it's not like it reads bad it's just like bendis write a novel you're not writing comics anymore yeah it is a certain point you're like yeah just write a a novel just write pr- prose mm-hmm. like you don't need mm-hmm. why what is this this is just like literally it's just five panels of, of four of them are just people standing around and mm-hmm. what, what are we what it doesn't are, it doesn't make for a good comic at all it doesn't it doesn't tell a story it's talking heads and also the 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 weird the this weird i don't know if this this villain has been set up prior to this because it's just part of this issue yeah this outside of this issue um, mm. because that splash page with its introduction, you think, oh, this is like, Badam, remember this? He's here. And, mm-hmm. But then they explain it. It's like, oh, he's like Parasite, but like he's Superman. He's like an alternate world Parasite. Is my, is that, I think that's what it's saying. That's kind of how I was reading it. Yeah. Or at least he's a, he's an alternate world Parasite-like thing. Yeah. The Paris, he's the Parasite who laughs. Sure, he's he absorbs that's super- perfectly. Yeah, that's perfectly cromulent. <laughs> and I was, just, I'm like, okay, that's fine, but like, I don't. Why does it have to be like, oh, he's but Paris, he's like parasite, but awesome. I'm like, <laughs> okay, because cool. that's the way that everything goes now. Is like, let's let's continue to up the ante for no reason. Um, what do you think about the art? You got some JRJR. It's just JRJR. Yeah. I'm, I, I he is. Um, 
He is fine to me. Okay. I like the things that he did. Like, I think this anchor makes it look a little weird. Like, I kind of prefer uh, the scratchier look of some of his other stuff. But nothing, nothing's nothing's bad, but nothing's superlative either. Um, this looks good and fine, and I like it. But, like, I, I'm mostly flat on this book. Um, yeah, I don't have the... the I, I don't have the hatred that you do for, for Bendis. So I like I this is this is not like a throw in the garbage pile. It's just like a polite no thank you on this book. I don't I don't really I wouldn't I wouldn't spend my four or five bucks on this. I uh, yeah, I'm gonna do not buy. Also again yeah. I, I don't and I don't hate Bendis. Um you, you you could have fooled me. Hate is a strong word, Eric. I've, I've saved, I reserve that word for different people you've, nowadays. You've said a lot of strong words about that man. Maybe just write less dialogue, man. Maybe that's, hey. I mean, I don't, I, I understand. Uh, that's a double do not buy on Action Comics 1025. Our next book is Watchmen, Three Jokers. Oh, I mean, Batman, Three Jokers, number two. See what you did there. Written by Jeff Johns, illustrated Jason Fabic, colors Brad Anderson, Rob Lee, letters. We're continuing this, Eric. We're going to mm. see this through to the end. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I, I like it. Okay. I, You're still on board? I like it. I like it. That's that's about all I got here. I like it. I like... I mean, it is weird that he straight up kills a person and they're just like, I need to talk to him. Like, that doesn't feel quite within his character, but I still... I like what they're doing here. This interests me. Um, there's some pretty interesting character moments in here. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying this book still. I think it looks it's like Brian Ballen levels of beautiful. Um, and it still it still works for me. Honestly, I I'm still more on board than I'm than I'm against it. I don't know who you are anymore. Eric. You know, just because I occasionally disagree with you. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, no feelings about Babs kissing Jason. Mm. Honestly, I felt the tension of the moment kind of leading to that. I don't know. There's I a lot, there's some uproar. I could have done without it. There's some uproar on the internet about it. The people are very particular yeah. about their, their, you know, Dick and Babs, uh, relationship feelings. And they're like, no, you can't. Jason Todd, he's terrible. Why would you do that? Don't do that. Let's not do yeah. this. Also, I do like the fact that Batman has a folder that's just called Missing Clowns. <laughs> where's that detail? I have to find it. 47, oh page 47. God, clowns? What? Page 47. 47. A lot of pages in this book. There's a lot. Of, it's a big book. To, yeah. to be fair, it's, it's long. Missing Clowns. There it is. My... My God, he has a little folder, and get it? It's Joe Chill, but then it's a picture. It's Alaska. Get and then there's a he looks at Batman looks at Alaska because it's Joe Chill. I don't want this. I, I my opinion has not changed. Um, again, it's more to the to the like the I I agree with the art. Art is beautiful. So it, I'm gonna I'm I'm actually gonna say like I think. In terms of what actually makes an okay Batman and Joker story, this scratches that itch because it's a mystery. It's not a big fucking overblown mystical like Batman through time controversy yet. It's not. It's not. 
It's not Batman Inc. It's not Talia creating conspiracies and everything's named Leviathan. I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. Like this is this feels more Batman to me. It feels more meaningful. Then who are these two different Jokers, Eric? You remember when I said mystery? I know, but what is the explanation? It is. That is what a story is, is you find out like what's going on. I don't know that it's going to be that. I'm not going to say that it's going to end up being an amazing book. I just think that given this, the garbage that we've been ingesting in terms of Batman stories, this is still pretty good. I still really like it. You know, is it like amazing and it's going to stand the test of time forever? Is this going to be like one of my favorite comics ever? Probably not. I think it still has some fun scenes. It's saying some interesting things. I never really hated Jeff Johns. I just thought that um, Doomsday Clock was just complete crap. It, it is. I think there's also a thing where I've read more Jeff Johns than you. Mm-hmm. And it was the thing with. That's, that's fair, too. It's the thing with um, Jeff Loeb. I was going to mention Loeb as well. If this is a thing where, you know, once you look at his entire oeuvre, <laughs> um, you know, and you start to see his 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 tropes, you know, when those start to stand out at you. Sure, things look different. I've read very little Jeff Johns. Um, so if this feels like a lot of that, I can respect that. And it could be that that I could revisit this after we read a ton of his other work and I'd hate it. All I can all I can react to is what I have now, what I what I want out of Batman. And I feel like this gives me that I am. I'm slowly ticking off all the Jeff Loeb, Jeff Loeb. Now I'm saying Jeff Loeb, Jeff Johns. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Jeffs. There's there are a lot of Jeffs. No. Um, there's no no uh, maiming yet in this one. That is a Jeff John specialty. Is people losing arms? We'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm. We'll see if that happens. I'm predicting it will. I'm predicting someone is going to lose an arm or a hand. Jason's going to lose an arm. He, yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I can believe it. it. Might be Jason. I hope it's Jason. If it's one of our heroes, I don't. If it's bad, I'm going to throw. I'm going to go find Jeff Johns and throw him in the trash can. Hmm. Better not. He better not be cut off Barbara's arm. I'm very upset. Or a Joker. Probably be. A I joker, will agree honestly. with that. That's that is uh, that is what you call a bad a bad decision. A stupid idea from bad creative. <laughs> Are you just a straight up a buy? Uh, let me check the price on this before I give you my final verdict. Because <laughs> it's probably like six dollars. It's exactly. It it's is. actually seven dollars. Mm-hmm. So this is that 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 puts this at like four. On the mush meter. Okay, I like I like that. That's a good. I like that the algebra. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a do not buy. It, it, it went from maybe a maybe a one to a four. Okay, That's seven dollars is a, a load for a single comic, and I'm swearing again. Sorry, kids. <laughs> That's a split decision on Batman Three Jokers number two with uh, mush meter of four. Next up is. Immortal She-Hulk, number one, written by Al Ewing, art John Davis Hunt, colors uh, Marcio Menez, letters Corey Pettit. We get, uh, we get, we get Jen's look at the green door. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased. Yeah, this is, this is my favorite book 
of the week. I mean, it's it's a lot of what I want out of comics. One, Al Ewing's writing it. Mm-hmm. Two, She-Hulk. That's it. <laughs> that's that's all we need. What else is there? I I do like this. I love I love I've always loved She-Hulk. Um, and Al Ewing is friggin' crushing it. Um, this is more m- more lore in the um the Green Door Immortal Hulk saga. Um, I love that. This is just this is just lovely. I just I just am so happy. I want I want I want more She Hulk. I want more Al Ewing writing the Hulk. It's just tremendous. I'm just I don't know. It's just good. It's yeah, it is it is one, it's written by Al Ewing. Two, it has She Hulk. Um I have more than that though. So three, it is recontextualizing Civil War Two and making it much better <laughs> in retrospect. <laughs> Because we read it. It was garbage. Uh, it's not the best. It looked beautiful. Gorgeous. It was gorgeous. So that's the that's the trick. It was a gorgeous comic book. Write terrible things and make it look beautiful. And yeah. a lot of people won't notice the difference. They'll be like, man, this get the Eisner Award for writing because the art is gorgeous. Um, yeah. But not naming names. No. But we get... You know, She-Hulk is the the was the one kind of uh, exclusion from the Immortal Hulk pantheon of all the of all the 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 Gamma people, mm-hmm. and now that's the we've kind of that's been rounded off. We get to see her perspective on all this, and we get. I love the conversation with Wolverine about yeah. about about dying, about death, and about and again, and, and it kind of loops back around too. What. Al Ewing has done with the Immortal Hulk and talking about how in death in superhero comics. And we've touched on a lot about what death means and how superheroes are kind of immortal, basic functionally. And like we've seen that we see people play around with that a lot, especially this week, frankly, because this is there's this and then there's the X books and they are themselves tinkering with the idea of immortality and resurrection and death. And this is how you make those deaths impactful and it's, it makes it a, a meaningful and it's haunting and, and, and kind of tragic in a certain way. It's like, yeah, they, she's come back, but now there's something hanging over her. She doesn't know what it is. She feels haunted by it. And, you know, she has this conversation with Thor about, yeah, Thor, I killed Galactus. He was immortal and now he's not. And Thor's like, no, you will die. It will happen. You know? And there's, you know, you have this, these twin perspectives of Wolverine is, you know, is ground level character functionally. And then you have Thor who is cosmic and Jen is trying to rationalize, like having these faint memories of, and she knows she has died and yet she keeps coming back. Why? How? And these, these visions of the green door and the leader who is, we haven't read that those immortal Hulk books yet, but we only got a, a glimpse of him, but there's, it's just, really elegant really beautiful uh really well done if you are reading the immortal hulk you should absolutely pick up this book so i'm a buy mm. and excited by yeah uh double buy immortal she hulk number one next up is x of swords creation number one written by jonathan hickman and uh teeny howard artist pepe laraz colors monte gracia letters clayton cowles I like Teeny. She's, yeah, she's good. Um, 
we are we we're starting through reading through uh X of Swords. There's twenty two issues total. Plus I think there's extra. It says I think there's it says twenty two, but I don't really I thought there was twenty four, but maybe some of those are not necessary. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Um It's an event like a, a lot of them aren't necessary. They're they're just trying to mask. They're trying to hide the fact that a bunch of them aren't necessary now. Yeah, it's pro- I don't know, but um, I don't know if I should talk. We should mention you want to mention X Factor as well here because they're part of the same the same event. Because we also read X Factor number four, written by Leo Williams, mm-hmm. art Carlos Gomez, colors Israel Silva, letters Joe Caramagna. So those are parts one and part two of X of Swords. So Eric, I want to I want here's I have a question. My first question to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. Tell me what is happening in X of Swords. This is it's kind of a lot. It is. So, um it all revolves around apocalypse and I might kind of spill over into let me see where this ends so I don't say too much. I mean, you can say X Factor 2 stuff but that's fine. Yeah. Um I'm not sure what this kingdom is, but it's something Apocalypse has gone off the reservation and built gates to whatever this place was, he has some kind of connection to it that I don't remember what it is. But there are these raiders um, that are just, they're destroying the kingdom. They kill some X-Men. I'm trying, I really am trying to not step into the next issue. Um, I don't know. Basically, it's setting up this big world. Let me see. So this is still me trying not to swear and swearing at X-Men. <laughs> um, not good at it. Okay, so it does look like it does look like it's revealed that in this issue that these these creatures, whatever they're called, are all Apocalypse's children. Um, and this is setting up this big conflict between them and the X-Men, and there's this weird sort of... Actually, this is more a next issue thing. Should I, should I can, start rolling into yeah, that? Yeah, you can do that. That's, too, that's fine. So this is like kind of the, the increased tension of this. It sounds like they're going to do some friggin' gladiatorial whatever, like in place of a war. Um, Mortal Kombat! Yeah, yeah. Uh, but with the added, um, the added tension of if they die in whatever this other world is, like it, it literally is just called other world. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess it's like a, an alternate dimension or it's, something. It's whatever. The, it's the place where all places converge. It is. It is the whatever in the hell does that mean? Like is this the, is that's it, some. That's some that's some Neil Gaiman like it is a, the culmination of stories, you know. It's a hub that's world. That's some Neil Gaiman BS. Otherworld right is a hub world, as far as I can tell. I I, I have not heard of it. Um, is this a thing that has been established before? Now it or was what? established in those like six different pages of lots of text okay. in this okay. comic book. If so you this wanted. is all basically an invention of this story, which whatever that's all I mean, fine. I, Otherworld I, I, ex- I don't mind. That. Otherworld has existed before, and I think it's in Excalibur mm-hmm. a lot, but we haven't been reading Excalibur because there's only so much money and time in the world. Yeah, 
I think, yeah, you're not, that's the thing, like, there is so much going on in this. There's so much background lore that's trying to be pushed at you. It is a lot of, it is a lot of Hickman being Hickman. Yeah. And and Hickman maybe needing an editor. There's a lot of, well, yeah, so there's Krakoa, and then there's Arakoa, and they used to be one world, and then they got split in half, and the... Krakoa wants this gate open. Apocalypse opens a gate on Krakoa to mm-hmm. Otherworld, and Otherworld holds this fortress where you basically control the keys to all the kingdoms. If you own, if you control that fortress, or if you destroy it, I assume it closes that hub, so you all these worlds are no longer connected. Apocalypse's children want that, or they want to kill all the mutants. I think they are also mutants. They're like old mutants, just like Apocalypse's. They're 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 heels. They just they, you know, but they're and but all this they just is, want to hit. They just want to hit Apocalypse with a loaded glove. There's and then and then stand over him. He's an international object on him. Um, mm-hmm. There's swords involved. Exoswords is like because there's ten swords. There's also tarot yeah. cards involved. There's there we get a full on tarot reading in the middle of this comic book. T- I think twice over technically. Uh, yeah, it does seem like that it's a going to be an important narrative motif of this. Yeah, and I want to like this a lot. I think you'd need to just sort of let a lot of this garbage wash over you and you'll enjoy it better. <laughs> That's probably true. I, I, mean, I, I think that I think that I think we kind of fundamentally like a, like approach reading comics different that I'm I <laughs> I always think of Kelly Sue uh, in a in a panel. She said, I'm writing this for someone who's going to throw it away in a month. You know, like I, I kind of read stuff like that a little bit. And I think that a lot of comic writers do get up their own ass too much. And and Hickman, as masterful a job as he has done with with um this X-Men reboot, it maybe is a little bit too much, but like at the I think the the, the core through line of this is Apocalypse like kind of sets into motion a plot ticket there. And then they're going to do Mortal Kombat and swords are going to be involved. And Apocalypse has monster babies that are going to kill everyone. And there's also a lady that looks very, has a very similar motif to Emma Frost, who's in charge of the... I can't tell her apart from Emma Frost. It confuses the crap out of me. She looks exactly like they're so close to each other. She really does. Yeah. I spend most of the book thinking that she's Emma Frost and I'm like, wait, this isn't. This not Emma Frost. Emma Frost. This like, is, why is Emma Frost this this magician now? This, she's a magic lady. Um, yeah, like 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 design your characters different, dudes. Give I, her give her a, a mohawk or some feathers in her hair or some dumb. Shit. I don't she, know. She has an undercut. Give her do do something, yeah. please. Undercuts are hot. Do it. Um, I think I'm a very mushy buy on this so far. This is on both these books because effectively, if you're reading Exoswords, you're in or you're out. Like you're either reading everything or you're not reading any. Like you have to decide because it's a lot of reading. And de- judging from this, if you're missing an issue here or there, you're not going to know what the hell is going on. <laughs> I'm getting to the point. I'm like, I want to see. Hey, yeah, I want to see Wolverine in a sword fight wielding Muramusa. I want to see. Like all the, I want to see magic. I want to see all these people in sword fights in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. That sounds really cool. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily... Maybe I'm hoping that this is front loaded, all of the exposition, all of the, oh, yeah, if we die in, if you die in other world, you die in real life. I uh, feel like you had similar problems with, um, what the hell did we just read with Hulkling? Um, what was it called? Empire. Empire. Yes. That, that name is totally not generic because it's got a Y in it. Um, <laughs> it's no sixes. I'll tell you what. Oh, God. Um, Remind me of Sixes. I, I think I think um I think you had similar kind of reservations about about that. And I think my 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 thought process is kind of the same. It's like let's just focus on the fun bits of this and the rest of it can sort of sort itself out, you know? I do think maybe maybe as many issues as they're talking about putting out of this this might spin out of control. Empire was simple. It was fun. It, it, it got in, it did a whole bunch of other garbage for sure, but it, it managed to hit the high points of what was really fun about this. And I think that this has a lot of promise and it is doing crazy weird stuff with this new X-Men continuity, which we both love. So I think there's a lot of excite, a lot of things to be excited about here. I'm here for it. Um, I'm a buy. Are we reviewing both of these at once? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a buy on both of them. Yeah, I, I think I'm a mushy buy. For sure. Um, Probably like a three. Right now, it's, yeah, it's not, um, it's, it's not bad. It's just very imposing. And I don't know if I want to read 22 issues of this level of, of, commitment of like lore and of moving parts like i i I need more like the x-factor book is is probably half as much exposition as that the first yeah book so i'm assuming that's going to be the way it's going to continue i certainly hope it is right Um, the lore is never going to be the fun part of this even though like i i we have been just spoon feeding ourselves new x-men lore for a year two years now yeah. How long has it been? I believe a two, long damn time, it seems like. I think it's two years, two and change. Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. It's just wild. But but we've been eating this stuff up. And like I I think that this is I, I think you're right that it, it isn't gonna be what's enjoyable about this. I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see what he does with it. I have a lot of faith in him as a creator. I hope he does kind of keep it simple. It doesn't look like he's going to. <laughs> But we'll, we shall see. Yeah, uh, well, we shall here, see. Erica, House of X and Powers of X came out in July of last year. Okay, wow. Well, it's been a decade since yeah, last year. Yeah, so. exactly. It has been 15,000 years yes. since yes. since March. Um, I'm, But I, I think I'm still the buy on this. Uh, it's a double buy, yeah. split decision. Not, no, double buy, mush meter of 1.5. God, our stupid rating. It's okay. Our we're, own we're words. Done. All right, last book of the week is Department of Truth, number one, written by James Tinian IV, Art Martin Simmons, Letters Adidia Bidikar. Designs, Dylan Todd. You know, when Tinian is not writing the Batman who laughs, I really like what he does. Well, there's no DC quota to include the Joker in this mm-hmm. comic book. Yeah, we don't have to show the Sandman and this have him come in and make a a pun 
about a classic DC comic book or something. Um, this is really interesting. I dig it. I I dig it so much. I think it's perfect. This art suits this weird story. Like it's it's this soft, like crazy story that like kind of feels like it's messing with your head, and the art kind of does that too, and it's gritty. And I, I dig it. I dig it so much. Very Sienkiewicz-like. Yeah. That's, a, that's very apt, I think. I, I do enjoy the story. Um, I, What was your reaction to that last page reveal? The, identi- uh, the, uh, the identity of uh, our, our elder our elder leader man of this oh i loved it i'm like okay i'm i'm on board this is so stupid okay like i i it's just i don't know what it is that like i thought it was perfect you know the perfect stupid conspiratorial garbage like i think it's all thematically exactly right on tone i i i like it i like the i i I was the solicitation of this i think I don't know. It sells the. Tr- it doesn't quite sell what this book actually is. Mm-hmm. So I was a little hesitant. I was like, I got Saul Rigaud reviews online. It's a Tinian book. I wanted. I like mm-hmm. Tinian way more when he's not. He's good at writing Batman primarily because Ten- Tinian. But- Tinian is just kind of quietly one of the best writers on the DC side. He's very, very, very talented. Uh, and this really cements him as a great creator. We've been God. We read the woods a million years ago, and I remember disliking it. We 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 should do a book club of it because I'd like to see how I've changed. I'd probably like it a lot more now. It, the the solicitation makes this sound less good than what this idea is. Like I yeah. really like the idea of the the this conspiracy and truth and the power mm-hmm. of belief and all that stuff and how this is that we have to protect the truth because if too many idiots believe something they could change reality yeah it's it's very um kind of a modern take on game and mythology where he would i i can't remember if it was sandman and american gods or this certainly is, american gods i don't know about Sandman. yeah i think i think that these themes were in both of them about how belief shapes reality and how it creates these these um you know these personas and these god people and it does feel like Tenyon's a student of that and it this is this is his own interesting spin it's very timely the main character is basically the guy who does Innuendo Studios on YouTube. Um, this is just like home run after home run for me. This is just fabulous. I like it a lot. Well, here's here. I have one question. Eric. This is the and I mentioned earlier mechanics. Part of me always thinking about things. And I think this is my main question. It's not necessarily there's no necessarily wrong or right answer. But do you think this needs to be a comic book? Yes, because how else is he going to sell it to Netflix? Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I'm, you, you know, when your soul, I'm right. I, I, I know. That's why I said that. Like, it, like I yeah. hadn't thought about that at all, but you're right. But that's the thing. Like, this is this is this could be I mean, this, it's, it's why it's image. You know, this could get him noticed. This could get him selling a TV show. This could this could get him to not have to write a million Joker stories, you know. 
I, 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 this is tremendous. This would make an amazing TV show. I think it works as a comic, you know, there's, it's not a slouch. No, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it can't, it doesn't work as a comic book, but I was also mm-hmm. reading, as I was reading this, I'm like, I would, I don't, I probably would just be, I'd be fine with this as a novel. You know, I would be fine with this. Yeah. I, same idea. Well, no, no one reads nothing. novels. Um, <laughs> that's not true. That's the problem. I mean, okay. No one also reads comic books, but I'm going to tell you if you're making a presentation to Netflix, uh, it is a lot easier to give them three issues of a comic that you've written and they can understand almost everything about what you've done instantly. And they and then they give you a million dollars and then you're happy. Hey, hey, hey. It could also be Amazon. It's true. They're buying a lot of comic properties now because The Boys is, was has been a big success for them. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, that's where comic book people are actually going to make money. I'm a, I'm a buy on Department of Shirt number one, regardless. Yeah, this, this is, this is awesome. And I love it. And if I want to hug James Tenyon for it, this is pitch perfect for 2020. Don't hug him. Hmm? Don't hug him. Why not? Social distancing, man. Well, I'll, I'll cough in the, a different direction. That doesn't, when I hug him. It doesn't work like that. That's not. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, that'll do it for floppies. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is part show. Eric and I talk about what we've been doing and reading and playing and watching for the last couple weeks. Eric, what's what's up? Not a whole lot. It was my birthday, so I like an idiot, drove to Takes Comics. That's quite a drive. It was a long, long drive, but Tate's is a lovely place, and I have missed um, being able to visit it. Wow, this inside. Oh, that is the, that's the gallery upstairs. Um, you know, it's a thing that I've noticed is that both kind of the trend away from comic book stores and the... Um, I guess kind of pandemic economics that Tate's felt different. It didn't have nearly as much cool stuff. Uh, some shelves were a little emptier, things like that. It was a little, it felt a little sad by comparison to what it used to be. Um, they still had a lot of cool, exciting stuff. I still bought some neat stuff, but the, it was, it was noticeable that their merch had gotten, more mainstream and it was a little bit more like shopping at barnes and noble than it ever used to be i mean i'm just glad they're still open frankly for for sure i don't want most of these places i don't i do not want them to go away anytime soon the the world is better having some version of tates in it than not um i think part of it like when i talk to um some of the staff there they said that the owners do not live in in florida anymore they kind of manage it from a distance, and I think that that might have something to do with it, that it's not as nicely curated as it used to be. Um, but, that, the, I mean, the, sort of those three things together, it's a little different than it was. It, it is not kind of the, the – it's not kind of this bastion of uh, weird alt art and culture and all this stuff, you know, with the, the comics and all the fun stuff. Nope. Some of that's there. You can still see it if you squint. Not as much you know? of a mecca. Mm-mm. No, it's not. But it's still, I mean, it was still fun. It was still worth the trip. I still got some neat stuff. It just wasn't quite 
it wasn't quite what it was when we shopped there all those years ago. They still do have these awesome Gundams and things, which I I wanted to buy a giant Gundam, but I'm like I it I felt like a phony because I don't really have an attachment to Gundam. I just think they look cool. And I don't want to read a bunch of Gundam to feel to feel entitled to it. They got rid of some of their sculptures too, which is a real bummer. I mean, Eric, I don't I hate to like I think most people like Gundam just because they look cool. Like, I know, but I would I would like to at least be able to talk intelligently about like if I was going to buy a Gundam and put it behind me while I'm streaming or something, I would like to be able to talk intelligently about Gundam. Well, just buy forty, watch forty the forty five different Gundam anime there are. Not 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 going to do it. Oh, here, okay, here's a workaround: buy a Transformer that you think is really cool, mm. and then that's all. You, there is nothing else to Transformers. Like they literally exist because they look cool, so you don't have to have that discussion. We did read, we did read um, 600,000 pages of uh, Transformer comics about how Transformers are gay. That's, well, that's retconning. That's just them laying on those, hey, no, these are real guys. They're not just really cool looking robots. There's, they're, they're deep. Uh, Did you, did, what what did you, did you get a statue at all? Uh, I got two Street Fighter statues. I might. I might buy some from the same line online. Who'd you get? I think they would. Look, I think they'll look. Uh, Cami and Chun Li. All right, all right. I think they I think it's. I think it's. Um, it's a good duo. It's yeah. It's on brand for the video game stuff that I like. But there's. I'm gonna. I don't know. There's other kinds of things that I wanted. Like I. They just. They just didn't have stuff that hit the mark. Like all the all the DBZ statues. Uh, all of all the dudes look really cool. And all the, like, I, I was thinking, like, I would want a number 18 um, because she's an android and I have girl robot stuff everywhere. Like, it's kind of a theme with me. So I thought she might be a, a, a cool on-brand thing to get for the studio. But she looks terrible. She's just got these long, skinny, spindly legs and it makes her a terrible statue. But I don't know. They have a lot of really neat shit. Um you know, some of it's like I don't want to buy myself a three hundred dollar statue. That was going for more moderately priced stuff. That's fair enough. And they do still have some neat stuff. If you've never been, it is still worth going to Tate's. I think certainly if you're in South and Florida. Even if you haven't been in a while, it is still worth going again. It's just right now it feels like a shadow of what it used to be. I want to talk about Matty Matheson. You got to talk. Oh, did his book come out? His book came out. His new book. So what is your thoughts on that? Homestyle cookery. We do, we do we do both love Mr. Matheson. This 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 crazy idiot. <laughs> so he does seem like I I don't know. He needs to stop putting his podcast on his YouTube channel. Oh, I don't, it's bad. I don't listen to it. Um you no one does. Like he used to get millions of views on his youtube channel and he keeps putting his terrible podcast on there and it has cut his traffic tremendously he needs to stop you need to have you need to have a discussion with maddie talk to maddie i i he needs a handler he needs Almost... i love how i i searched for his book homestyle cookery and white trash cooking came up <laughs> i wonder why that's strange i mean the shoe fits maddie maddie matheson is uh, a chef is a lunatic. He has his mm-hmm. own YouTube channel for anyone who doesn't know. 
who any any and lately has been posting videos of recipes from this book that just came out yeah. this past week. Um, He's this, been doing promos for his new book, and I was and it worked for me. I like these the recipes look really oh, good. The recipes look, good, look really good. Uh, the book is. I haven't made anything from it yet. I'm planning on it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's um, that's my next point is why I haven't cooked anything from it yet. But I will say that the writing is in his voice. He does a really good yeah. job of replicating his personality in video form in a book. It, it sounds like him. I can hear it in his voice as I'm reading it. It's very funny. It's very personable. It's very charming, which is all the things that also describe uh, Matty Matheson. Because despite the fact that he's a lunatic, he's also very charming and very funny. Mm -hmm. He's he's super likable. Yeah, he really is. And the 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 reason I haven't made anything yet, the reason I and I'm looking through, I'm like, man, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. And then I look at what the recipes require, and I 100% believe that Maddie Matheson is a lunatic that has cooks this stuff all the time, who like sources like. There's one recipe that uses pig cheek, pork cheeks. Mm. And he's like, just just ask your butcher to order them for you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not right now. That's not an easy thing to do. Like it's it's this very chefy sort of thing to cook like a peasant from, you know, f France in the 17th century. Yeah. And, and like, and some of the recipes feel like, and I think this is the other thing that you talked about. Oh, he puts his podcast on his YouTube and it hurts his numbers. Mm -hmm. the, the other thing that I think ultimately might hurt him in some ways is that sometimes it feels like the recipes are a joke. Like he's yeah. doing like this, like a big, like there's literally, there, there's something called a, there's a seven, he makes a seven layer dip, which is very common. There's plenty of people who make seven layer dips for tailgating or for parties, big old, a big old thing of cheese and beans and sour cream and lettuce and, and onions. And it tastes great. And you, you dip it with chips. That's great. But he makes a point it both in the video. He does a video of this on his YouTube. So you can go watch that, but it's the same in the book where he puts it in this container like he plates it in this vertical di this vertical dish that makes it impossible to eat and he and like that's what he calls it it's like the impossible to eat seven layer dip <laughs> i and, think he does like he does kind of have a side of him where he um he likes to troll um cuz like just a dash was kind of a um kind of a joke you know yeah like a parody of other cooking shows and i think he does kind of like doing those things and he's i'm sure the recipe is fine but like why would you serve it that way like to look good on camera and that's it i don't know i think that's interesting he's he is he's a troll if nothing else a troll by trade i mean and that's the thing like i think sometimes like a lot it probably turns people off where they are they don't know if he's serious like they don't know if he's actually like it it could be like a Tim and Eric sketch at some point where it's mm -hmm. just this nonsense, like this Dada-esque insanity. I kind, of, I kind of feel, I kind of buy into him always being kind of serious about stuff. Like, I really believe he eats boiled dinner. I absolutely believe that. I, I don't doubt his authenticity, but I feel yeah. like he might 
I don't know if there's, oh, there's the seven layer dip. It does. I was about ridiculous. to send you a, a, a picture. I'm like, how do you dip into that? How do you get to the bottom of that with a chip? You don't. You dump that no. into a bowl and then you yeah. eat it. Um, this is this is a thing that's clearly made for Instagram. Yes. I mean, and it could it could it could it could literally be that it's not intended to. I don't know when it's presented that way. That might have just. I don't know. Is is it really in? Is it really in? the recipe like put it in this impossible glass that no one ever is going to own the thing in the youtube video is also the picture in his book yeah Uh, there's also like and there's so there's so many things in there like i absolutely want to try them like there is he has a recipe for uh roasted lamb uh, a roasted lamb leg functionally like an entire a leg chop a leg chop basically like a Mm -hmm. big big uh big old punk of lamb and salt roasted so you just coat the entire thing in salt and roast it in the oven for like eight hours or something and he's like and then you and then you put it out and you you put it out on a party and then everyone cracks it open with hammers and then you have this beautiful roasted lamb inside and it looks incredible and it would be in like a really fun thing to do mm-hmm. but it's a day that's a day you're doing nothing else that day and you can't eat it alone. That is, that is, it does seem like a lot of these things, a lot of cooks write, write cookbooks as a flex on other cooks. You know, it, it's, it's like how, um, what was his name? Was it, it was not Marty Robbins. What was his name that got into Megadeth? I have no idea. Marty Friedman. When I was, when I would talk about, uh, like a, my friend, Matt, who was a guitarist would talk about uh, albums that like Marty Friedman would release a solo album. He called it an I can play guitar better than you album. And that, that's that to me feels like what a lot of these, that kind of recipe is like, is it a neat thing? And am I an insane person that I might try it once in my life? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I talk to friends about, building a um a cinder block uh oven to roast the whole pig like to just to do it once you know yeah like that is a, a a cool thing to do one time in your life but i i feel like some of these things are not really this is not a rachel ray cookbook no and i from like, what you're describing no and i think there is that it's a slight i don't know if it's a per, like I, again and that's the thing is he joking when he calls it home cookery? Like, cause every, like not, not every recipe is like that. There are certainly recipes where I can just mm-hmm. open my pantry and I have what I need, but there are more than half of these recipes. Requ- like he specifies very specific things that are like, I don't have, I bone marrow. Like I like bone marrow and I would do that, but I have to go get bones from a butcher. Like I'd have to go. Yeah. And I'm not doing that right. I'm not doing that in the middle of a pandemic. And that's not his fault. You know, like he probably wrote this book well before a pandemic happened, but yeah, like I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he started, but like, like it's hard to say, like it could be aspirational stuff. You know, some of these recipes, um, it could just be like, I, some of the, some of the chefs that I've known, this would not be out of reach for them in terms of home cooking, maybe securing, maybe now securing these kind of, um, ingredients is a little tough. But it's not it's not hard for them. I don't know. They're just like they're just on a different level. 
if you've ever seen like a really talented chef clean a, a, a sink of dishes, you, it's it's actually kind of stunning. It's like watching Usain Bolt run down the block. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like they're they're they just like all of their time and credits have gone into that thing, you know, so it's easy for him. And I do think he's a super talented chef. He's very he's he's great. I don't know. He's great. I love Matty yeah. and I think you should get his book. It's even just to read it, frankly. Like I don't I'm gonna make some of these I'm not gonna make I'm I'll know I'll tell you I'm never gonna make some of these recipes in my entire life, but some of them I absolutely yeah. will make. And probably some of them I will save for like my like inevitably everyone's giant party as soon as the pandemic is mm-hmm. over and we all just go crazy. Aside from but aside from Homestop Cookery, I haven't been up to much except for been in a work hole. So that's it's that uh podcasting a lot. Uh I watched Star I watched some of Star Trek's Star Trek Lower Decks, which is their animated is show. It, is it worth watching? Uh I don't I did not enjoy you, it. You have been kind of um negative on literally every Star Trek thing yeah. that has happened recently. Here, I think this is what we uh, this is what I would how I would describe it is it it is uh, it is a companion piece for a show that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like if if there was a concurrent normal style Star Trek show that was cl- closer in tone to Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, which are the two shows mm-hmm. that I like the most, and not Discovery or Picard, which are just action shows. They are not Star Trek. They're not science fiction. They're not even in like. They're not even close to hard science fiction. They are just in space action. And if there was, let's say, a Star Trek show that was slower and more hard science fiction and more philosophical and thoughtful, this show would feel right along, feel feel good alongside it as like, oh, this is the fun comedy show that doesn't mm-hmm. take any of this stuff seriously. It's all it's jokey. Because it's about the it's about the B team. It's about the lower decks. It's about like the the red shirts and the and the nurses and the medicine bay and the like the third tier engineers, all those guys, and they're they're kind of they are taking the focus while the crazy thing is happening with like a moon exploding or yeah all that something's going on. There's a virus on board and everyone's going crazy. But alongside it is these this, the B team and they're doing their thing and making jokes and they're referencing they reference a lot of old, a lot of next gen stuff. There's a lot of a lot of fan service. So th- that stuff you're not going to get if you watched it. Um, I think it's it, you probably like it just on a general like, oh, this is like a fun, wacky science fiction show. It looks it looks a lot like Rick and Morty. Yeah, I feel like that's a very integral part to how they pitched this, which was Rick and Morty was really popular last year. Let's make a show that looks just like it, but let's use our property that we can get the rights to. How about Star Trek? Yeah, it's not like it's not nearly as like dark as Rick and Morty gets. Mm-hmm. It is much lighter in tone. I also did not enjoy the. I don't like the characters very much. They're. I. I feel like they. They expect us to like them more than, than we should. I don't. I don't know. I, that might just be my experience as well. I have a very complicated relationship with Star Trek and especially the new Star Trek stuff, and I'm kind of been hurt by the, the what is new Star Trek and like, hey, you, more Star Trek, like it. You should like it. I'm like, I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Please stop. And they they're like, no, we keep making it. I'm like, who's watching this? Who's watching this new Star Trek? But 
you, Eric, I would guess that I would say watch a few episodes and see how you feel. Mm-hmm. They're twenty. They're you know they're twenty minute long episodes. They're not big investments. They're you know you can watch two or three of them and go oh, this is, I like it, and then you can watch the rest or you can go eh, it's not I give leave or take give or take it or whatever. It kind of seems like a thing I'd be a little indifferent to. That is my expectation. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's not like so good that it can win over people who already aren't Star Trek fans. That's the thing, right? Right. Like it's, I think it's it's aimed at people like me who are like lapsed Star Trek fans, but it's not. It's not what I want. If you have no connections to Star Trek, but you know of Star Trek, maybe you'd like it. That's about this couch to reservation. I a recommendation I can give. Um, you ready to talk about some Dog Man? I love I love Dog Man. You love it. Ooh, okay. Let's move on then to our final segment. It's time for Nerd Boy Book Club. Nerd Boy Book Club is the part show Eric and I sign a longer collected work and discuss it in depth like you would a book a, in a book club, except it's a comic book in a comic book club. We are reading Dog Man Volume 9, Grime and Punishment, written and illustrated by Dave Pilkey as George Beard and Harold Hutchins with color by Jose Garibaldi. I should also mention Color Flatting by Aaron Polk. It's nice to to quote your flatter. Yeah. Credit him, I mean. Yeah. Um them. Them. They. Um so this book, and I probably sure most of the recent dogmans, this was the best selling book in America. Not best selling comic book. Book. Number one. Mm-hmm. Period. And you've been when's, mentioned. When's Dave gonna get his own get his own theme park? I mean, he might get a world, and it's certainly possible he could get like a, a a segment of a park. Yeah, I think it'd be amazing. It it could certainly happen. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, I've never i I've, i'm familiar with Underpants Man. I never read any of them. Um sort of friend of the show ivy decker was a big fan of underpants man way back in the day captain underpants um yeah that's his, that's his actual name it's fine i sorry i gave away his secret identity <laughs> how dare you but uh dogman is a much more recent book uh dave pumps out two three a year this one's the only this is this is the only book that released this year i think they realized that they can just they can slow down the pace and still sell a lot of them um it's a, I, I don't it's an all ages children's book, I suppose, even though I enjoyed it as an, mm-hmm. as an elderly man. I think it's great. You are such an elderly man. It's a, I don't know. It It's, it's touching at times, even, you know, it, it, it makes me think of like both classic cartoons and like modern, uh, kids cartoons. Um, so many of the newer kids cartoons I feel are, they have a lot of these tones and a lot of these same kind of jokes. Um, I just don't like the way that they feel. You know, they have all this hopping around and screaming and shit. This just feels just solid good to me. You know, it feels old and new. And I really like it for that. It's cute and it made me laugh. Like, repeatedly. There's plenty of stuff that has not made me laugh. No, I agree with you. It 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 is it's solidly funny. A lot of good, well executed gags, um, mm-hmm. and even like I really liked the, the 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 kind of the simple but effective mm. 
um the the message with of the the cat and his son and them you know him forgiving his father like that's it's a, like it's a very simple little message like uh, and so i think it's 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 interesting because i i, I personally don't agree <laughs> i think it's actually toxic to to be like you have to forgive these people but he actually kind of doesn't forgive him he says he forgives him and then walks away and doesn't reconcile with him which i think is great well i mean i think that i i I think that's the that is the part that's why i like it not necessarily oh because he's i mean you can i think it's more about because it is about him processing the feelings and moving Mm -hmm. on versus establishing some relationship with this insane man you know, it, it, I don't think I wouldn't I, I would when I would use the word forgiveness, I would not necessarily. Oh, it means you're welcoming them back in there in your life or whatever. I would say that I would mean it like this, where it's like I am letting mm-hmm. the harm you have done to me pass yep. me by and I'm going to move on. Goodbye. That's that's healthy. But I, I, I do like I like how he handles it. But I think giving it the label forgiveness still kind of puts it in the wrong sphere of things I, I think it's done in a good and nuanced way i like that he gets angry because he says forgive me I, I, I like that i like that the concept of being forgiven upsets him i feel like a lot of gross abusive people really feel like they've never done anything wrong that they just deserve to treat people the way they treat people so I, I I think that is it is skillfully done, and then we get snug hugging cats. Oh, snug. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, and it's full of like a lot of cute charm. There's a lot of and there's a lot of I don't know. There's like little breaks here and there for fun little for the flipperama mm-hmm. moments. There's there's like uh there's a, a moment in here where they uh they go into like a it stops being a comic book. I guess to a certain extent, and it's just pictures of a diorama. It's like m- weird claymation, sort of. I guess. I think it's tremendous. Yeah, it, it looks I, so good. It looks. Gr- I mean, it's fun. I think that's the primary thing. Like, it doesn't it? Doesn't yeah? It doesn't let really any part of this get in the way of just being fun. You know, it it doesn't it doesn't get mired and stuff. It's not like I don't know. It it's not trying to mire you with Dogman lore. <laughs> or telling increasingly uh complicated tales or setting up the dogman cinematic universe it's it's just like little simple stories about little simple characters and would this be fun would this make you laugh and it seems to focus on that yeah we we talked about simple art a lot when we talked about reina didn't we yes or at least we bring it up every time yeah we touch on it I'm really convinced, and this is someone who loves illustration and has a mind, like a very complicated mind, and wants to make increasingly more and more complicated things. It makes me a little frustrated how simple some people can do it and make it work. And not even make it work, but make it work better than I can do with working like hell on something. Just just grinding and grinding and grinding. It it like these drawings look so simple and they're so approachable in exactly the same way Reina is. I'm not surprised. 
I'm surprised and not surprised that this is as big of a hit as it is. I mean, I think there is, that we talk about appeal a lot as well mm. when we talk about that. And I think it is, you know, you catch a wide, cast a wide net, catch a lot of fish. And I think in, in a lot of ways, that's what you know, about Raina's art and about this art is like, it, yeah, they talk about, oh, it's for children. That doesn't, I don't know how, like, oh, kids can't deal with comp like more complex art no that's not true the kids can still admire that and and i think people in general don't deal with more complex art i mean look at look at below decks yeah i know or trek lower decks look at the art for that there's a reason that people like rick and morty style art and then by proxy this and it's because it's simple you know um that's a big part of why these things succeed it's easy to process easy to mm -hmm. understand easy to read um and i mean that's important for children you don't want to complicate storytelling with a child uh and a story aimed at children you want to make it so they can follow well, I think along it, i mean i i i will still argue that it that it goes for adults as well some people seek complexity but most people just want what's easy you know true i mean i would i would say that there is, I think there is like a, a gray area where you can make the storytelling a little bit more complex than this and still make mm -hmm. it relatively simple to read. I'm thinking things like, um, my favorite thing is monsters where it's like, mm -hmm. there are sometimes the storytelling is a little bit more complex, but it's because it's constructed so cleverly. It never feels like a chore. It feels natural and feels like it belongs, but that is a book solely for adults and this book does appeal to all ages. It, appeal, it is a true all ages book. I think a lot of time, you know, I don't know. The only people, the only, uh, like the adults who read this are people who are reading this to their, reading this for their kids or reading this with their kids. Um, but it, there's nothing that you, uh, like, I enjoyed this. I thought it was a, a fun, pleasant, light romp, frankly. Like, it, it's just fun. It's just, it's just nice. It's like, it's like just eating a marshmallow. It's like, it's. Mm hmm the thing that i really like about it is that it literally the 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 frame story if it as it were or the start mm -hmm. the prologue you call it either thing i suppose is literally about two friends making their own comics and selling them and they it looks basically just like the comic that people read and i feel like that's really positive you know because comics is a very DIY sort of thing. Like, there's no reason. There's, like, any anyone can basically draw a comic that looks like this, you know, or some version. They might do it very poorly by comparison. Because I, I, would, I would say that, that Dave uh, does a lot of things really, really well, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, good, good character, good storytelling, everything is really clean. Like, it takes, I do think that it takes a lot of, talent to make something this simple this consistent uh work this well like just calling it simple art that you know and saying that it looks like he drew it in no time just is not uh, you know i don't want to denigrate it in any way because doing something this popular this consistency it ain't a, it ain't a fluke well, there's there's real talent underneath um underneath the hood well it's it's simple but not easy you know, like, I think yeah, that people exactly. lump those things together sometimes. Oh, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. Like, but not, it doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, like, you, 
just to make it it may look easy and that's probably another feat in that oh it looks so easy it looks so simple like well yeah mm-hmm. it looks that way that's the part of the practice is i would imagine a big part of of um of the the dave pilkey style stuff can't be too sophisticated it's got to be muppety you know coming back to i can't even remember who it was that was talking about it whether it was in the jason siegel movie or whatever but like you know when you when you make a muppet or you tell a muppet story it can't be uh extremely slick and overproduced it's got to be a little raw it's got to be a little rough and they they described it as it has to be muppety you know it's got to be done a little bit wrong you know and i think he takes he takes that that muppety like it's 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 kind of showing vulnerability but it it really makes it charming and approachable it's just stunning that it that works so incredibly well. I have a question, Eric. Sure. I guess it's two questions. First question is, sure. is this copaganda? Second question, <laughs> is that a fair question to lump on a children's book like this? Those are interesting questions. Um, it is hard to say whether you could call this copaganda or not, just simply because um, kids stuff is all literally like it it always has that shape you know it's like maybe before it was cops and robbers it was cowboys and indians you know an easy good guy and an easy bad guy Mm -hmm. exactly um but you know that stuff does shape how we think about stuff i think to literally push that sort of depth onto children children stuff children children's stuff is is maybe a little a little much but i mean it's still apt you know that there's a lot of thought that goes into the stories that we tell kids and how we need to change and evolve them and you know they're gonna carry these models with them their whole life the next generation you know and it's a it's a reason why um like the girls in uh, the Frozen movies are not like helpless dummies that sit back and wait for some man to come save them. You know, mm-hmm. um, as as twee as some of their decisions felt, uh, reading it like it is kind of worth looking at those lenses and the assumptions that we make. Um, I think this doesn't really focus that much it doesn't seem like about police i don't know it's just easy good guy bad guy but like even that simple dichotomy kind of lets you turn your brain off when thinking about the police i mean and then dog man is 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 exactly an unaccountable bad cop (laughs) he tears all kinds of stuff up and hurts people and everyone's like, we love you, dog, man. It's okay. Well, here is this is a, a weird thing that entered my mind as after I read this. It was in, mm-hmm. in my head as I was falling asleep. Where the good guy in this is dog man and the police chief. And the cat, I guess. But the dog man and the police chief are your like one of your primary protagonists. And the, the dog and dog man upsets the mayor, and so the mayor forces Chief to fire Dog Man. And the mayor is the bad guy. Aside from the evil grandpa cat supervillain, mm-hmm. but the mayor is the like the lesser protagonist, lesser antagonist. He's he's like, and he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, uh, 
like his his thing is like he's very he talks to like a stuffed animal yeah and then that's like used to make fun of him it just i i live in austin texas and throughout the black lives matters uh protests black lives matter protests and the uproar over uh, police violence and police accountability our mayor has been relatively supportive we've managed to be one of the cities that has cut our police budget in the next budget uh rounds of uh, budget uh uh meetings or whatever by a significant amount of money and our mayor has been you know we're austin it's a very progressive city so it's not too surprising but the our police force and the leaders of our police force have been terrible mm-hmm. and it's in the news a lot. I it's I I know I've been I've been reading about this for months now about this back and forth about this about our mayor trying to you know protect our very liberal city in the middle of a conservative state and the police force itself and like there are literally people there's a, a super like super PACs or whatever have been putting up billboards on the on around the city limits of of Austin. On top, like near highways, like the, there is no police in Austin. Enter at your own risk. Not making it up. There, the, I mean the the narratives and the horse that they're they're sharing that they're trying to spread. It's just it's just crazy. And so I it like when I read this very simple story for it's for children. No, no, no reservation. No, that that is one hundred percent true. And I see, oh, the chief is the hero, and he's standing up for his cop, and he wants Dogman to still be in the force. But then you have the evil, mean mayor, and he's like, "No, get that that mean the cop. He's ripped up my, he got me dirty. He's being, he's destroying property because he's a dog. Isn't that fun?" And it's like, I in the back of my mind the whole time, I'm thinking like, "Well, my mayor is the guy who's like actually trying mm-hmm. to stop the bad. Is trying to stop." Uh, overzealous police force and try and make them do their job and not and maybe put some of that money towards social service and things that will help people and that narrative seeing this the opposite of that narrative like oh the mayor he's just a cranky meanie and he doesn't know what he's Mm -hmm. doing and politicians eh. yeah that's a that's a a definite right wing um, sort of trick there isn't it like discredit all politicians but still promote the ones that do evil evil stuff that benefits you and i like i i don't know if that is that again like you said this is a very simple story shape and i don't know any if a child reading this is going to like carry on like oh no i yeah like it's I, it does establish a lot about your your uh, internalized thoughts about the police, about mm. about po- politics, about society, and you get that stuff shaped for you as a child. That's certainly important. Do you know what it kind of makes me think of? And I think that it actually does kind of say something about maybe the underlying um, thoughts and feelings about the author. You know, um, I think about like maybe Dan Aykroyd and then <laughs> Ghostbusters and how oh god the, the literal EPA is the bad guy yeah 
and I can see some libertarian, like, just let people do business and everything will be fine narrative coming through. But, like, yeah, the EPA is great. And I, like, we don't, like, people will dump poison in the drinking water without someone policing them. It's just proven time and time again that they're going to do the cheapest, easiest thing because they think it doesn't matter. And it matters a lot. Like, that a, a lot of these people just sort of care about what matters to them or what they can see. And I don't know if they're going to be unaccountable, they're going to keep doing it. I, 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 I don't know. Does that does that mean that like Dave Pilkey is is this um this this <clears throat> thin blue line guy? Does he have a thin blue line flag in the shape of a Punisher skull on his Humvee? I don't think he's that guy. I think this this story started a super long time ago, and I think at best maybe he's just guilty of using a simple narrative. Um of just like easy good guy, easy bad guy, and kind of playing into what's already there. Um, I think to call, I still think to kind of to call it propaganda is a bit much. But like if you squint your eyes, it's there because it kind of under. I mean it it underpins it, you know. Yeah, and, and like I don't know, there it's I am myself certainly like guilty of you know writing a just a hero mm-hmm. cop protagonist mm-hmm. because it's a very easy thing to do it's like like i mean how, yeah how many how many narratives have we seen like that it's been basically the whole 20th and 21st century it has been like just a part of pop culture you know like i i, I don't know the military gives money to movie studios and or like tells them what they can and can't say about them you know like we we literally make our own pro-military propaganda in hollywood and like the army or marines or whoever gets to say yes or no so it's it's not like this stuff isn't real it's just at what point like do you let yourself enjoy the stupid story that involves a guy getting a dog head sewed to a body and a giant paper bag and this cat he turns into a tick it does not look like a the incredible hulk or something he looks like a tick it's kind of gross <laughs> he does look kind of gross yeah um like i think you can definitely enjoy this and i don't think it has quite so much loaded stuff in it um i think there's a lot there's a lot of good here uh but i do think maybe maybe this is not the the the, the right place to start the uh the propaganda no in kids media discussion but maybe it is maybe it's worth thinking about deeper you know reading more of these stories and kind of talking about them you know this is this is i think this is a good video essay material i mean i think it's i i bring it up because it is it certainly it was on my mind and i don't think yeah i I don't want to necessarily i don't i'm not putting any of this on dave pilkey like he's trying to brainwash children Mm -hmm. or something it it is merely a thing that there they are storytelling traditions that have been ingrained yeah. in yeah. our culture for as long as we've done it. Like there's you look at the oldest stories and there's there's always officers of law of some sort. Mm-hmm. There's always the Texas that, uh, law, man. There's always an authority figure 
good mm-hmm. or and often usually and oftentimes a good person that's trying to defeat evil and it is i think it, uh, next uh, time on handsome boys comics hour is andy griffith propaganda does that mean i have to watch andy griffith <laughs> i don't really want to I, I, I think i'm gonna just start making andy griffith memes try and reach boomers oh god you are on facebook yeah that's true um I, I it's I'm not saying anything about I think it's Dave Pilkey operates in these very broad stereotypes and very broad, easy story shapes because it's recognizable by for children. Children can easily recognize those shapes. And I think he understands that. And it, it goes hand in hand with everything he does. He does things that make it accessible and make it easy. And that a lot of times translate. We've kind of talked about that a lot in all comics, not just children's comics. That accessibility is a, usually a better experience. You know what's happening you can follow along it's it, it makes for a good story and i think it is a part of a broader discussion about how we we write in general not for children but in general and how you to have that thought in your head certainly any creator not just dave pilkey um i don't know it's it's there's it's it also like i'm getting getting a lot you know you, the, the the discourse around jk rowling and her open transphobia now and what she's done with children's books and harry potter it's like front and center in my mind a lot of the time um about art versus artist and i it's just all the stuff's at the forefront of my mind now whenever i'm in in, engaging with children's stories or stories aimed mostly Mm -hmm. at children it's very much like oh what are they gonna you know, and it, it, again, Dave Pilkey's not guilty of any of this stuff. This is a very, like, again, simple, fun, kind of like at times stupid story. But that's like part of the charm yeah. is this stu- is like the, the dumbness, like the dumb gags. It's just like, hey, it makes you laugh. It's a pleasant story. It does have like nice, a nice message in the end. Um, it, it, it moves. It is, it's not like. It's not preachy. It's not boring. He knows. He knows exactly how to craft this thing for what he's making. He knows exactly. You like you mentioned it earlier, Eric. Like he understands who's he's what his audience is for, and what they want, mm-hmm. and what and how to make this story as palatable as possible to them. And a lot of the time, it is what I suspect is making it look like it's very simple and easy. But in fact, is not and requires a lot of probably and, you know, a couple decades of doing this work where it's it makes it seem as simple as and easy as it is. I don't know. Anything you want to add, Eric? Anything we haven't touched on? Mm-mm. Let's stitch the dog's head onto the cop's body. You're a genius nurse lady. <laughs> Are you familiar with Heart of a Dog? No. It's a Mikhail Bulgakov work where... It has the same, a very similar kind of body horror thing going on where a mm. dog and a dog is given a man's heart to live and he becomes like half human and becomes sentient. It's all, it's like a metaphor for class, but it's, it's very, it, it may, again, it made me think of that, which is not a thing I was expecting to really, I, I should have probably with a title like dog man, but maybe think of heart of a dog, which is like this weird Soviet pre Soviet. No, it's Soviet. It was during Soviet union. Um, I like how he also um, it says our newest epic graphic novel, and he's like, it's only a comic book. 
Yeah, that did. That's, I like that is that that appeals to me very directly. Yes, thank I, you for that, Dave. Yeah, I like that too. That was thank very... you for putting that in your horrible propaganda <laughs> comic book. Hey, I didn't say that. I'm not accusing you of anything or Dave. It's it, I. I will end on the nuance of it is important to examine the stories that we tell children because it has kind of gone a little bit unexamined and they should to a degree change with society at least in the direction that we want it to be you know we need to water the flowers that we want to grow as it were you can't be feeding kids a bunch of patriarchal paw patrol and expect them to grow up okay i still think that's the funniest thing do you want to do the pot, pot, patriarchal? Do we want to do that? I'm not. I don't care to. Okay. I uh, mean, if you're if you're if you're gonna let me actually, I you know that pun is just beneath me. Oh. My puns have layers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. That'll do it for Dogman. No more dog. We'll, we're done with Dogman. Dogman Volume Nine: Grime and Punishment. Dave Pilkey. Grime and Punishment. Grime and that's a, I like. I appeals to the. Again, I love Dostoevsky, so that, that works for me, too. Um, next time on Hands Boys Comics Hour, we'll be reading Dr. Slump by Kira Toriyama. All of it. 18 volumes. More gags. Dumb, uh, dumb comics for kids. Uh, I believe this is going to be the... Um, is this Viz? Who, who released this? It says Shonen Jump, so this might be... Let me turn around and look at my, my books. Yeah, it's published by Viz. Yeah. This is the Viz translation, mm-hmm. but Eric, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, Doctor Slump. Eric uh, wants to read Doctor Slump and, and ingratiate me into its dumbness, which I'm pro. I'm pretty much for. I like. I'm good for dumbness. Um, I'll take. Mm. We need. We, yeah, we sir, We kind of need to exercise Morrison. We need to get. Yeah. We need to get some just like simple, effective, dumb gag comics. I'm gonna go on record. Morrison's Batman dumber than dog man yeah dumber than dr slump i haven't read dr slump but i'm expecting to agree with you that'll be next time you read along with us um before we go you can find me on twitter at robbie dormant and my website is robbie includes links to all my other podcasts and to my horror novels which you can purchase right now on the internet my newest novel is war on halloween uh, it is a suspense horror story about a family fighting for Halloween in a town controlled by a sinister reverend with secret occult powers. It is a great book to read for Halloween. If you're looking for something spooky, nice, digestible uh, story comparable to some Stranger Things, perhaps, or to Stephen King's It, those are good comparison points. Eric? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Can't do that yet. Uh-oh. Uh, our handsomeboyscomicshour.com is our website. It includes oh. links to uh, all, our, all our stuff, Facebook, Twitter, to our RSS feed. Um, follow us all those places, like us. Please, uh, you can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com if you want us to read anything. You want to tell us how you feel about us, how much you love us. You're allowed to do that. You also you want to send us pictures of your dog. I'll take that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you can leave a review on our Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use. Tell your friends. All those things help out the show help us out we really appreciate it eric where can they find you and your things online well 
the first thing I recommend you check out, I have a successful Kickstarter. You should all check it out. You can search for uh, Meet Cute on kickstarter.com and it will take you there. You can also go to most of my social media accounts, including my Instagram and my Twitter and check the link in the bio. It is the top link uh, on the page it will take you to. Um, but I have uh, multiple sort of tiers you can pledge to. It is sticker art that has already been made. Uh, check it out. Uh, you know, it, it would be great to have your support on that. In addition to that, uh, portfolio is at freewillunlimited.com. Other things are at ericzgoodnight.com. And uh, if I didn't say my social media accounts, I am on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch as Easy Goodnight. The stickers are real handsome, real pretty. Mm-hmm. You should, They're both. Should, should for a go, man. For a man. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for us today. Have a good one. Rock and roll. See, that felt natural. Thank <music> you.